Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the 1099 for the week of April 2nd, 2018, second podcast of the week. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden. With me today is Josiah Renauden. I'm doing a solo thing. I'm trying something a little bit different today. I've done, I think, one or two of these in the past. I did one way back when I started all about how I got into games media and here's some advice type of thing. And then, of course, recently I did just the short show about the announcement of my move and my new job and everything like that. But I'd floated this idea out on Twitter and it got a good response. And it's something I've been thinking about and something I've wanted to do. So I am in this <laughs> weird space in the industry where I was, uh, of course, at GameSpot and IGN for a long time. So a lot of my contacts know me as game reviewer guy, got partially into development before, now fully moving on to development. I also have this podcast. So I still get a lot of, this sounds like a humble brag, it's not intended to be. I still get a lot of codes for games early. Um, if anyone follows me on Twitter, they know I was playing like Yakuza 6 and uh, boy, there's a, there's other ones. It was, uh, I got the UFC and a couple other games and always the intention with that is I want to do some sort of podcast related to it with the developers. That's my goal. I never ask for a code. It's, it's important to me not to do that. I never ask for a code just for the hell of it, just to be like, Hey, I would like this free game. Uh, so when I, when I actually ask for a code, the idea is, Hey, could I play through your game and could I talk about it with one of the developers, sound designer, character concept artist, whatever, anyone. I would love to have more conversations with developers about games I find interesting. Um, but in a lot of cases, it's hard to line up an interview after the fact. Like stuff just gets lost in the shuffle. It's how it works. You request it. There's like a partial agreement of like, oh, here's the code. We'll see if we can set you up with something. And then time goes by and it just never happens, which is totally fine. But then I'm left with a lot of thoughts about games that I never actually get to talk about anywhere beyond Twitter. So I've decided to do a show maybe once a month, maybe maybe more, maybe less. It really depends on my schedule moving forward and the games I get where I pick a three or four games that I've played that... Uh, I found interesting in some way. And I think part of it is there is kind of this, this absence of being able to talk about games critically, right? Where I do get to talk about it with developers when I have them on, when I have different shows where I play the game and talk to them. But that's a very different conversation. That's more design focused. That's more, how did this idea come to be? And what alterations were made and what was cut? And th th those kind of things that, I think there's, as I've said many times, this misunderstanding of what goes into actually making a game. And I think talking to actual developers teaches me more, hopefully teaches people who listen to it more. Uh, but it's hard to be like, I'm going to review your game directly at you. Like, I'm going to talk about what I don't like about your game directly to you. It doesn't really work in that format. Uh, with these shows, I might bring someone on from time to time. I, I think beforehand, yeah, we had done, I'd done one with uh, Mike Mahardy about uh, Overwatch back when that had released. I think there's an Uncharted podcast too. These are all older shows when I was kind of still playing around with the format of the 1099. So I think if I can get someone in from a GameSpot, from an IGN, a Giant Bomb, anyone who had played similar games that I did, we can kind of talk about it back and forth. It's not exactly just a, hey, what have you been playing? Which is a segment, of course, on a lot of different podcasts. It's just, it's a review of the games I've found interesting so far this year. Always make sure they are new games that came out in the year. Maybe not 
extremely new. Like I'm going to be talking about EA Sports UFC 3 today and that came out a month, month ago, two months ago, something like that. So it'll just kind of be a grab bag of that. Uh, if you guys like it, I'll, I'll keep doing these. If you hate it, just tell me. I, I think it's a cool idea. I think it's fun. And yeah, I'm gonna. It, it, they'll probably be a little bit shorter. I don't think this will take an hour. We'll find out. You might see this in the runtime's two hours and you're like, what the fuck? Hopefully it's not that. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna go over four games today that I've been playing recently. Those games are EA Sports UFC 3, The Council, Yakuza 6, and uh, Nino Kuni 2. And for those who remember, Nino Kuni 2 was my most anticipated game of this year. Um, when I recorded that podcast, so uh, that that'll be interesting to talk about kind of where I'm at with it. So let's start with EA Sports UFC three because I actually think other than Overwatch, this is my most played game of the year. I think I'm right around like 380 online games played. Do you know those games where you, after a long day of work, you don't want to go through a game story, you don't want to do a whole bunch of stuff that has to make you think. I've talked about this before. The games where you turn your brain off, you really can't do that all the way in UFC because there, there's a lot of strategy to it. But it's a good, I just want to play a game for fun and not think about a story. You, you can sometimes even put like a podcast on. It, it's really taken that role for me that a lot of sports games do and a lot of shooters like Call of Duty too. Um, I love this game for so many reasons and i still might have brian hayes we've been going back and forth he's a main creative director behind the game on this podcast we've talked before to talk about it but i kind of wanted to go over my thoughts with it because my favorite part about it is how much i'm getting out of it even this many hours and this many fights in because i'm learning so much each and every fight and i think what i love about the game the most is every mma game out there there's always a deficiency in one of the different styles of fighting. It's it's either something like, oh, the striking feels really good and is fun, but as soon as it goes to the ground, I'm out. It's not fun. Or I, I like aspects of the grappling, but when I'm in the clinch, it, it feels unfair. You can kind of cheese stuff a little bit. And there's always stuff in this game even where you can, you can cheese it. You can get away with a few things that are just frustrating and it, it makes it difficult to beat someone. But... I've really enjoyed all aspects of it. I've enjoyed it when you're striking on every level. I've been, even when I'm taking down, there's there's this deny system, okay, where if people want to pass your guard, go to half guard, go to full mount, side control, and stuff like that, you can pass it. You just got to make sure you um, call out the right direction in in your denial where they're like, all right, I'm going to move to your right side to get on side control. If you like click certain buttons, you can deny it on the right. But if you guess left, they'll pass it. So there's kind of a rock, paper, scissors aspect that is also dependent on your stamina and the type of fighter you choose. So I'm always, of course, you want to choose the well-rounded people. And you're always choosing someone who has some sort of wrestling game. Otherwise, you're going to take it down over and over. Honestly, and people say this about a lot of games where they're like each fight or each battle or each game feels unique. But in UFC 3, that really carries weight because something you did to knock someone out minutes ago likely will be completely ineffective on your next fight because these are human players that all have certain strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I know there's, there's, there's some MMA fans who listen to this podcast or some who have don't, they do not care. And that's okay. I think this is just a good game in general, even if you don't care about MMA. But in a regular MMA fight, if you're a fighter for the UFC and you're going into this eight six to eight week training camp 
you know your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. You understand, okay, I'm going up against someone who's great boxing, um, fantastic leg kicks, but when you get them on the ground, they wilt a bit. So you can prepare for that. What I love about EA Sports UFC, especially mostly online, is that you don't know until you test things. So a lot of times, for the longest time, I was just winging overhand rights, and it was just catching people, and you're timing, you're timing, you're timing. And then I ran into this group of people who had such precise head movement that I would wing the overhand, they would duck around it or just kind of swing a little bit to the left and then come right back at me when I missed with an with a uppercut and almost immediately knock me out. And, of course, that was like controller-breaking, frustrating to a point where you're like, I hate everything. But once you understand what's going on, you realize like, okay, this person's ducking a lot. I'm going to throw uppercuts. And if they duck into your uppercut, it's almost an instant KO. The game is very fair in a lot of ways where there's not a lot of just flash KOs where someone's getting their ass kicked and someone gets knocked out. It's possible, and I think you need that variance in an MMA game. But a lot of it is the only time you really flash knock someone out is if you're throwing a head kick and the dude just leans into the head kick, and then you're going to get a flash knockout. So you, it's a lot about pattern recognition. There's the longest time where leg kicks, I was just knocking people out by leg kicking them over and over and over and over. And then I ran to a group of people who just understood that game. They would either block that leg kick or um, catch a body kick and then just rail on me. And that's what I really love is every time in that first round, that first 60 seconds or so, you get a really good understanding of who you're fighting against and you adapt and you adjust and you become better. And it's it sometimes maybe seems silly where it feels like you're being productive just because you're getting better at a video game. Like in reality, who cares? Uh, but for me, it, it feels good. It feels really cool to be like, okay, I now understand the movement better. I now understand there's some combo memorization where some people can go directly from an overhand to an uppercut or a hook or a cross. But a lot of it is just, I need to understand this person's timing. And I've just had so many satisfying moments. So many, uh, I was talking before about how there's not a lot of flash knockouts that completely, you know, someone's getting dominated and they flip it around. But I did have two of those fights yesterday, not to that degree, but where I was obviously losing, my stamina was down. The more you get hit in the body, the more your max stamina uh, gauge is going down and down and down. And I knew, I was like, I need to just get lucky at this point because we're in the second round. My stamina is half gone. I just, I'm not getting it back. And I was just faking going low, faking going low, faking going low. And I finally got the person to bite. And they blocked low when I went high and they, then they leaned into the kick and it was just a flash knockout. And it was one of those just stand and parade around my apartment kind of moments. It's really fun. Again, there are problems with it. Uh, I think the campaign's getting there, but I'm still looking for that perfect sports story. You know, I think the last, the last Madden, I didn't play through that campaign. Uh, I think I like Mahershala Ali. It was, I've heard actually pretty good things about it. I want a campaign that goes beyond, all right, you're going to start your career, fight your way to the UFC, become a contender, get the belt. And that's kind of it. There's there's more to this, of course. You go through training camps. There are little vignettes of, you know, this first big moment, the first fight in the UFC career, the first title shot. There's stuff like that. There's flavor to it. But it becomes a grind. It becomes something where I was like, okay, I've now gotten, I'm now a two-division champion, whatever, and kind of moved on. So it... There's, there's fun to be had in the campaign, but it, it didn't exactly blow me away. Um, but of course, I, I talk about wanting this deep story in, in sports games, but then you think about that NBA 2K that had like the Spike Lee crazy story. Uh, funny story about that. I reviewed that for GameSpot. And 
I think I've joked about how there's some reviews you wish you could lower the score. Like you were like, man, I wish I would have adjusted that. I think I gave it too high a score. I think I gave that game a nine. And there's a lot of reasons to that because I think the basketball in that game was incredible. Um, I should have docked it more for that bizarre story. It's I, I, I had trouble at that point kind of balancing in my head what's important here. Does this campaign that's really goofy but still kind of does the same thing every other campaign does, is that enough to knock this down to seven? Mm, I still really like the basketball in this game. That was a weird one for me that I feel like I feel like eight. I think eight would have been the right number, and I totally messed up that score. But hey, editor liked it. Uh, another thing that's really weird about this is, is the commentary, where I think I love John Anik, who's a commentator for the UFC right now. He replaced Mike Goldberg, and Joe Rogan's on here too who I, I mostly enjoy the there's a lot of great moments between them, but the use of it is a bit poor. I've had a bunch of times where they were calling the fighters, the wrong names. They're using different names for different fighters. Like I was welterweight champion, Tyron Woodley, and they would call me something entirely different, like a different weight class fighter. Uh, sometimes I had yesterday where I knocked a dude out with an uppercut and they're like brilliant head kick for the win. It's like, what? And like I hadn't thrown a kick the entire fight. If anything, it was just like low kicks. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that, that when you have these incredible moments, like I was talking about where someone leans into your kick and you see it and you feel it and you're parading around your apartment and your dog is judging you because you're standing up and no one else is there. Uh, you don't want to hear like, oh, what a great head kick. Because then it's more of like a silly moment instead of the triumphant moment. It, it's, it's maybe a small nitpick, but it's still a nitpick. Um, it's... It's still a really good one of the maybe the most fun I've had with an MMA game. Um, I feel like the sales weren't great, and I'm a little worried about the the fervor around the UFC right now is not exactly high. Like the, the excitement around it, and I've, I've uh, Luke Thomas from MMA Fighting is going to be on the podcast Monday. That's the next one, uh, and we talk a lot about kind of the weird state of MMA with not really having a TV partner right now, and there's there's not a lot of stars. As I'm talking about this, Conor McGregor just went on a rampage in New York. So a lot's going on with that company. I'm a little worried that this might be, they might take a bit off before the next one happens. Because um, I feel like they finally, they finally did something here. That first game was bad. Straight up. I think I gave it a five on GameSpot. It was, it was EA Sports, UFC is bad. This is good. So I hope they keep making these. I really did enjoy it. Uh, next game on my list that I don't think a lot of people know about and it's the most mixed I am of any of these games I'm going to talk about, but it's super fascinating. And so there's this game called The Council, which is this adventure, conversation, almost telltale style, decision-making type game. But it really treats the conversations in a, in a unique way where this is a clear example of a game with a smart, grand idea that really struggles to break out of the awkward technical shell it's in so you're this dude who travels to this private ritzy island looking for your mother um, both of you in this case are very skilled i don't even know what you would call it not spies you're, you're you, you seem like not beyond conversationalists you have physical talents and and cunning and and slick type of people uh, you get like this early again vignette with your mother and you get a good idea of who she is and how she can definitely handle herself. Uh, she's she's an older woman. You're probably in your like 30s or something like that. Uh, you're on this island and you're meeting people like George Washington, 
and Napoleon Bonaparte and a couple other recognizable historical figures, which is a little jarring and funny. Um, and the whole thing is this mix of serious and goofy. And I don't think they intend the goofy, but it's kind of an endearing goofy. Uh, it's hard not to appreciate just how weird it is. The character, the looks of the characters, these big bent noses, these odd facial expressions. There's a style to this that really, it stands out in a way where I was like, okay, I don't know if the reason I'm liking this is the reason you intended, but I'm really enjoying it. And what's the best part about this whole thing is the mechanic because it uses conversation and decision-making where you need to learn about the characters on this island. All right, well, okay, we all know who the hell George Washington is, but you need to understand what he believes in, what he's susceptible to, and that will help you in this conversation tree, which is timed. Uh, you engage in conversations like they're boss battles. And that sounds, again, weird. And there's some hiccups with it, but it also kind of works because sometimes all you need is just a fresh idea. I'm not saying this is never, nothing like this has ever been close to being done. Like it, it just, it feels just unique enough that you can kind of ignore the oddities to it because it's, it's a new way to tackle these situations. You really need to listen to people. You need to read things. You need to get a lay of the land with something like heavy rain or the walking dead. There was kind of this, this mirage, like there was, there was this facade of like, oh, everything you say really, really matters. In some cases, in The Walking Dead especially, it does, where some people might die if you choose one way or the other. Uh, you really need to pay attention to this or you can completely just fuck up a situation. It's it's really interesting. Um, I mean, how you spec your character determines what you can and can't do. There's certain moments where you need a certain level of perception or uh, certain points put into this aspect of your conversation skills where you'll notice moments. So you're like, this person saying something to you and it'll straight up tell you like, oh, you missed this opportunity because you didn't upgrade in a certain way. And you can't be perfect. You can't upgrade in every single way. So it does in a really good way encourage you to play the game over and over again. If you're a perfectionist, this game is going to drive you nuts because it's going to straight up tell you you've missed this thing. And I have some of that from when I was a kid and I was homeschooled and I had all the time in the world. I definitely had a perfectionist aspect to me. So if I was if I played this game with that Josiah, I would put it down because I'm like, I can't deal with missing this stuff. Uh, but it straight up just says stuff like that. Um, but it also makes it cool when you did spec in a certain way and you have this opportunity and suddenly make the conversation easier. Um, you're also like finding items in the environment that give you more points to do certain things. Like again, you have, trying to think of a good example, there'll just be certain aspects where you can use uh, points you've accrued over time to basically override a conversation and make sure you succeed. But again, the main element in all of this is who you're talking to, what they believe in, how you want to phrase things. It's super cool. It, it really feels like, like I said before, your actions just matter much more than any Telltale game out there. Everything can flip with just what you say. But I did talk about this weird technical shell it's in. Um, this is not entirely related, but kind of. The main character is unlikable in just a... It, he, his voice acting is awkward, and I hate doing that because someone worked hard on this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but there is some decent voice acting with different characters, but for the most part, it can be hard to listen to. There's just awkward delivery. 
There's a lot of internal monologue with the main character that just comes off as like he's looking at nothing while someone's talking to him and he's thinking things and you're like, oh, this comes off as really weird. And in a game centered on conversation, that's a problem. <laughs> when a game is hard to listen to and the entire game is about listening, there's a bit of an issue there. Uh, it, it does, I, I mentioned there is some charm to the big goofy noses and everything like that, but also it looks a bit like a, like a not great PS3 game, which I know it's a small studio, so that's it's not the end of the world. There's just like a clunkiness to this and a couple of difficulties with delivery that bum me out only because I think the core of this, the core of the council is super fascinating. It is episodic. This is the first episode. And I am invested. Even with my problems with it, I feel like my choices are painting this unique picture and I want to see how it how it pans out. I want to see what happens. And then, of course, this ends with a cliffhanger. And it's just I wish the surrounding elements grabbed me as much as the mechanics. I wish that these ideas were put in a, a tighter video game. So it's, for those who are interested, if you do like The Walking Dead and you are fascinated by adventure games and games that rely on conversation and choice, I do think you should give the council a try. Just get the first episode. It's, it's cool. But just know that there's going to be some goofiness. There's going to be some moments where you cringe a bit or maybe laugh when the game doesn't want you to laugh, which again, that's a charm all on its own. I just love the possibilities of what could happen in that game. I feel like you could play that first episode five times and have five very different experiences. And that's cool. It is short, two, three hours, the first episode is. Um, so if you want to just test it out, I don't know how the other episodes pan out, so I can't speak to their quality. But the council is a cool idea, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, I think the code I got is like a, a, the full season, so I will be revisiting that one. The next game I would love to talk about uh, is my current game of the year, and it's not really close. And anyone who's been following me on Twitter will know this. It's Yakuza 6, which let me preface this by saying this is my first Yakuza game. So things that aren't special to other people who have played these games are very special to me. And I think that's really important to note. I was talking to someone about Far Cry 5. And I think there's a lot of problems just from the outside looking in. I do own that game. I haven't started it yet. I think there's obvious problems to how that game handles story and themes and maybe pulling punches. But in terms of just being a Far Cry game, I think I'm ready for it because I played three. I played two. I played three, which is very different and really enjoyed it. I only played like the first four hours of four and just realized, um, you know, I'm good. I, I was kind of Far Cried out. I skipped Primal. I skipped Blood Dragon. So I think I'm now in the, at the point where, sure, a lot of the Far Cry aspects of it won't floor me because I've seen them, but I now have enough separation. It's the Call of Duty thing, right? The Madden thing where you don't want to get it every single year. You need to take a year off. You need to take two years off sometimes just to kind of recharge and be ready for that type of game. For Yakuza, straight up, like I haven't seen any of this before, so it is really special to me. And man, I think what there's a lot of things I want to talk about with it. But one of the things that really stands out about Yakuza 6 is the earnest nature of this that's paired with the ridiculous 
almost, I hate to compare everything to Metal Gear, but almost Metal Gear style sequences where there's just the bizarre and the insane with these really touching, important moments that have gravity. And it doesn't swing in that way in a jarring way where suddenly you have whiplash. There's not that, but this is a slight spoiler, but not really. It's early on. Uh, like you, there's this moment where you hear that you're, again, early on, if you are going to play this game and don't want to listen, I totally get it. Uh, you hear that your adopted daughter, you know, so I, don't even, just, I don't know if it's legally adopted, and you got hit by a car, really bad shape in the ICU, unresponsive. And you know, you're back in back in town and you, you hear this, you go to the hospital. And then moments later, I won't go through exactly why, you're fighting one of your best friends for a child, it's a baby, a baby's custody in the hospital your daughter is in and you're fighting in the nursery with the baby like right behind you so you're like picking up shit and just beating the fuck out of one of your best friends while the baby's behind you and it's just such a ridiculous scene and it's early on and i think it really sets the tone for what yakuza 6 is where you're this badass legendary yakuza and everyone knows you and everyone has this respect for you. Even if you're old, there's a lot of like uh, people who don't know you. They're like, oh, old man. And they get their asses kicked because they're not prepared. But most people in the know understand who you are. And that shows in a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the bigger moments. But then again, there's these nursery moments where you're just beating the shit out of a dude in a nursery. And it's just, it, it, I was just cheering the entire time. The pacing of the story is great. The pacing of the, the quests, especially if you do the side quests, is really great. But I think the pacing of the progression is actually what impressed me the most because I always felt like I was right where I needed to be with the combat. Um, and if I ever felt behind, I really enjoyed the silly side stuff that would boost stats where you're you're squat, you're going to like a basically a gold's gym and you're squatting or bench pressing or you're you're throwing darts. You're, you're playing arcade games. You're doing the normal Yakuza stuff that, of course, I've heard about but hadn't engaged with until this game. And you can get lost in it. It's just hours doing it. And that buff, buffs up your stats. So I, even when I was doing that, I never got so powerful that the fights felt inconsequential. Some of them were easy. But later on, it, I had to make sure I had healing items on me. This game has a certain difficulty to it that I really enjoy. And the combat itself isn't riveting um it is a lot of you know button mashing it's a lot of i need to go find you know a, a moped and pick it up and just swing it at people if you pick up like a park bench it's pretty good it has a pretty wide range to it uh but it's good for what it is which isn't the best compliment in the world it, it gets you by but it's not you're not getting all these brand new incredible combos to play with. It's kind of, all right, here's your light attack, here's your heavy attack, here's your throw, pick up items, uh, go into your crazy fiery mode and do a couple of things. But it it's just good enough that by the end, I was like, I think I'm done with this combat now, please. But I wasn't like, oh God, halfway through, like, please, no. It, it, I think it really works. And boss battles are cool. Uh, not that they're wholly unique where they're doing insane things, but they do have certain special abilities and it, it feels like very often this one-on-one -on -one battle with someone who can match your skills, who can match your health. Uh, and that is fun. Um, I think the side quests in Yakuza 6 are better than the main quests in most open world games. And I've talked a lot about this in general, about 
one of the things that kills open world games are those side quests that feel like a chore. Uh, I talked earlier about being being a perfectionist in a past life. And some of that lingers where I'll play a, a game, an open world game, and I'll get overwhelmed by all the quests on the screen because in my brain, I feel like I should be doing them. I really should be getting those done. And if they're just completely boring and dull, I'll get burnt out on those and I'll never even make it through the main story quest and I quit. That's it's, it's like an issue I have with a lot of open world games. I had moments in the Yakuza 6 side quests that I will not forget anytime soon. There's one that stands out, and I won't entirely spoil it, but I'll describe it a little bit, where this guy comes up to you and asks you to be the mascot for this town. Like this dude with like, I think it's like an orange head. You're ridiculous looking mascot that almost like one of those people that stands outside of a, of, a, of a cheap fast food place and holds a sign. And I was talking before about how the tonal shifts in this where it can just be goofy. And it's one of the goofiest moments where you have to learn these poses and this dialect and how to talk to kids in this mascot outfit. And um, it's a multi-part quest that actually ends in a really genuinely heartwarming way. And it's just so funny. It is legitimately actually laughing at my TV in my apartment funny. And there's that's just one of so many little moments that you run into where there's like a Freaky Friday sequence where it's, it's like half Romeo and Juliet, half Freaky Friday. I won't spoil it much more than that. There's so many little things like that that uh, I was seeking them out, which I don't normally do. Usually after a while, I'll ignore them. I'll turn off the perfectionist side of my brain and just run through the main quest. But I wanted to see the end of these things because I was getting invested in them. There's this guy who can't connect with his son uh, and the wife is just so focused on, he's got to learn English. He, he's, I don't want him to get that close to, you know, the father because the father was this bum before. And you through some weird circumstances kind of reawaken the passion in the father. And he goes from just being like this shitty tofu salesman to this semi vigilante guy and his son becomes proud of him and they get along there's like so many little things like that that's really cool and they're both goofy and heartfelt and it's it's a really great balance and of course the the main quest much not it's more serious you're not gonna get as many of those goofy moments you're gonna get some because some of the characters are just fucking ridiculous in this but it's really nice to have that balance it's really good and all of that stuff gets you points that goes into that progression system again and it's fun unlocking, you know, I see how far you could take your character with attack, power, defense, all that stuff. It's, man, I really ended up caring about the characters too. Like I said, like, I, I don't know Kiryu. Other, well, of course, not personally. He's not a real person. But I also just don't know him from the other games. I think I dabbled in Yakuza 3 for like an hour. And that was it. By the end of this, I really cared. A lot happens in this game, and there's a lot of me holding my breath moments, a lot of, oh my god, did this person die? Did this happen? Did this relationship end? It's a lot, and it really works. It's It really stuck with me. I was sad when this game ended, and I am never that person. I, I think I still have a reviewer's mindset of it's a good thing when the game ends because now you can start writing or now you can start doing something with it. So that's still what I carry with me when I'm doing 
these games, even if it's for leisure, which eventually I'll break out of that. Uh, I wanted Yakuza 6 to just keep going because there was just so much interesting shit. It's it's one of my favorite stories. It's just one of my, some of my favorite characters. Again, the side quests are incredible. And a lot of people might be listening and be like, I, I don't, Yakuza 3 is the shit, dude. You might be right. It, if you've played a Yakuza game, a lot of the stuff that's hitting me has already hit you, and it's going to be diminished. Um, but if you've never played a Yakuza game, you should really try Yakuza 6. I fell in love with this game. Um, something might unseat it as my favorite game. It's, what, April? But it really stood out for me. It's one of my favorite recent open world games. Some of my best some of my like favorite moments in games in a while came through this and I just, I fell for it. So whenever it's actually available, which I think is soon, you should consider Yakuza 6. Let's do one more game. And I was going to save this one for last because I feel like, again, uh, let's talk about Nino, Nino Kuni 2 because Nino Kuni 1, Nino Kuni 1 has this special place for me where it reminded me in a really effective way why I love JRPGs and why JRPGs were my favorite thing growing up. There was just something about it. I've talked about games that can capture that feeling you had when you were a kid, but be modern. Like they don't stick so much to old conventions. They update things almost without you noticing. It makes you feel like you're playing that game again even though it does so many things new and right. Um, and let me start by saying I'm only about 12 hours into Nino Kuni 2. I'm early, but I want to talk about it because it isn't having the same impact as the first game had on me, but that is okay. That is not me saying I dislike Nino Kuni 2. Uh, I... I kind of went in knowing that I had these high expectations. So it's this mix of here's my expectations. And I'm also going to check some of my expectations at the door. Cause it's, it's never going to reinvigorate my love for a genre again. That would be incredible if it did. It's not really how all games work. Sometimes it's the right time, right place. And that's what, you know, Kuni was one was for me, but you can really feel the lack of studio Ghibli here. Um, which being honest, I didn't do much research in, you know, Kuni two beforehand because I wanted to be surprised by it. So I didn't really know the involvement there. There's there's a certain charm that's missing. It has a different type of charm, but the charm that really just made me feel all warm and fuzzy for Nino Kuni One really isn't there. But even if this isn't reminding me why I love JRPGs all over again, I think so far what makes Nino Kuni Two interesting is the systems at work here. They're just more interesting. What you do in this game, beyond the fact that there's just more of it, it is, it's trying new things. Nino Kuni 1 felt like this is a pretty standard playing JRPG with this incredible look, this incredible heart, this, this kind of cutesy message, but it's a strong message that kind of resonates with you. It's one of those, you know, those movies that work for kids, but also work for adults. That's kind of what Nino Kuni 1 felt like. Nino Kuni 2 goes deeper with those systems. I think uh, th there's this army battle mode that's interesting where, of course, the main combat is more 
action than RPG, where it's not this turn-based thing. You're running into different enemies and you are going into battles on the the overworld similar to a JRPG. But in most cases, if you're in like a cave or a dungeon or something like that, there's just enemies around. You get close to them, you slash them, and it's like battle start. And you have kind of this this circle that you're in and you fight within that circle, but it's full free movement, combo-based, jumping, special abilities. You have multiple weapons. You're swapping back and forth between uh, a gun. <laughs> Fucking... <laughs> The, the, yeah, I don't know if I want to. I won't spoil this part. You play as a character that it's just fucking ridiculous. You need to you need to see the start of this game if you haven't yet. It's there's a twist that's really cool that means one of your main playable characters has a fucking gun. It's just it's just kind of cool. Uh, you're swapping back and forth between characters. You're you're using these higgly piggly is that higgle higgle piggle? They're these little adorable creatures you take advantage of. Uh, it, the game feels good in that way, but there's also this this army battle system. Once you kind of have your own kingdom, where you're you're tactically leading different armies into uh, enemy forces, where it's not as much control. You are like reinforcing. You're pressing certain buttons that make them like attack all at once and boost and bring in essentially airstrikes. Uh, that is a cool thing so far that I'm enjoying about it. The the town building in this, so. It does harken back to Dark Cloud, and God, I love Dark Cloud. I really love Dark Cloud. So that there was this moment of just, oh man, you're gonna make me love you. Um, where you're starting to try to build your own kingdom, and you're recruiting people, you're you're placing different buildings, different spots. Uh, I wish there was a little more control over how you structure your kingdom. What I loved about Dark Cloud One was that you would place different buildings in any order you wanted. Uh, if you put them in certain spots, you'd essentially complete a town where there's like certain people want builds in certain ways, certain people want to be in certain buildings. And I love that aspect of it where the town building is almost this puzzle you have to solve and you need certain materials and certain people and it, it works really well. This is more of just, here's a plot of, a plot of land. You're going to build a armory here. You're going to build a, a magic house or a, a shop here. It's kind of standard. They already know uh, what you're building there. And when you're recruiting, there are certain talents certain people have for different spots. So the town building thing so far is fun. There is this mobile game aspect to it, which I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it yet, where the longer you wait in real time, the more king's guilders, the currency you you save up, the more research you can get done. Uh, it, it hasn't been overly burdensome yet where I, I feel I've left my PS4 on a couple of times just to build up materials. But it, I haven't felt like I've had to yet. Um, it's it's not forced, but I'll I'll tweet about it and update if I think it's a little too mobile game. So far, so good. The combat, as I mentioned before, is actiony, and but I do think it's a little it's a little too easy. So I very much have those JRPG genes. I don't even know what JRPG genes would look like. They probably have like way too many belts. Uh, where I want to explore every nook and cranny before I get to the objective. Basically, hey, if you're giving me three paths and you say the straight path is where you need to go, I'm going to check the one on the left, the one on the right first. It's just common video game etiquette, essentially, where it's like, where's the treasure chest? Where's the enemies I need to fight? Where's the secret items? Uh, I did that a lot with Nino Kuni 2, and now I feel like I'm probably five levels above where I need to be because I was just fighting everything. So I'm definitely overpowered for the current story. 
So like that, the balance is a little off right now. It feels like maybe it's a little bit too easy. Maybe that'll adjust. I'm again, I'm 12 hours in. It's not like the end of the game, and I'm just destroying every boss. But right now, unless I'm running into a high level enemy in a place I'm not supposed to be, there's really not much of a struggle there. Uh, the story itself is a bit poorly paced. Um, where this chapter I'm in right now, where you're starting to build the kingdom and recruit people, there's a lot of fetch quest stuff where it's like, hey, you need this library card for this lady. And uh, you need to do like three separate quests for her. And it's just like, hey, go fight this army. Go kill these people. Go get this item. And then you get one item. So it's like every quest branches out into like three different ones so far, which it's been a bit of a drag after a really good start. It's like a really fast start with introducing characters and sequences. And now it's a little bit of a grinding halt. I hope it picks up after that. Um, and the crazy part is I just, that librarian I just talked to you about this old unique woman who I wish I could get more of her character but this game needs more voice acting, which is a really bizarre complaint. But the characters have, well, character to them, okay? Where you can see it, you get these moments, these cutscenes where you hear them fully voiced. And they're interesting and they're goofy and they're, 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 that's where the charm starts coming through, right? And you can even read it in the subtitles where they have a certain dialect to them. Where they are just, just have a very unique way of speaking. But... When you're reading that and it's not being voiced, it doesn't come through as much. Uh, there's sort of like a, the, the Cockney accents and stuff like that where it sounds really cool and it has some, a layer to it. And you hear it for like 10 seconds. And then it just goes kind of like the, the style of conversation where they're like, hello. And then they just – you see a whole bunch of dialogue. And then someone going like, blimey. And then a whole bunch of dialogue. And so it's just like the first word. And I think this game would just do so much better if they had more dialogue in it, if they actually spoke this out, because these characters are interesting and unique. And I'm not saying I am tired of reading stuff. I played all Yakuza 6 is all reading, but I love that game because you really got a sense of the character. Of course, you got to hear like the Japanese um, audio of that, but I've, I got a good sense of the character with that. This, it's just, I, I feel like it's lacking that. I feel like there's a certain charm that's missing because these characters just don't talk enough that's a weird lingering thing for me. Again, hopefully I'm in this weird chapter where it's just, hey, here's the basics of running the kingdom and things start opening up a bit more. I'm just like running into systems now that I didn't even know existed that I probably already should have. There's a lot to this. And one of the the moments where... The moment where the game sold me, Evermore is the kingdom you have that you're building. And there's a, a musical... Like when you walk in, the music for it, just the regular music... Sounded so much like a Dark Cloud game. And it got me oddly emotional. Because I just... Dark Cloud and Dark Cloud 2 were these really big games for me at this certain time of my life. Everyone has certain games that really stick with them. I think it's usually right around... I don't know why. I think it's between the ages of like 8 and 14. Where you play certain games that define the games you like moving forward. So maybe you overlook some of their issues and you really remember them in a positive light. Uh, Dark Cloud is one of those for me. And I just really still appreciate the music. And I'll listen to it from time to time just on YouTube. And there's a song in Evermore that sounds exactly like that. And it kind of just hit me. Like nostalgia bomb. Uh, it, it's, level 5 makes some real good music. And it stands out here. 
there's a really a lot to like here. And of course, I'm going to keep playing Nino Kuni. Uh, but it is a very different thing from Nino Kuni 1. Barely a sequel. There's a similar look to it. And it goes for some similar things. But it's a very different game. And that's okay. I, I knew it would be. I'm slightly disappointed in certain aspects of it, mainly because I just fell so hard for Nino Kuni 1. Those are the times where, again, I'm like, I think the systems in this game are more rich and interesting. I like how there's just so many things going on. There's so many systems layered on top of systems layered on top of systems. And none of them currently feel overbearing or just unnecessary. They're all interesting, and I'm, I'm having fun playing that. Uh, I wish there's more voice acting. I... I just, in general, wish there was up. It's still charming, but it's not maybe not in the way I want it to be. Uh, I'll talk about this game again once I beat it. I wanted to at least kind of give an initial impression of it because people who know me know that this is so high on my list and I needed to play it. But it's no Nino Kuni 1. But it has so much to offer and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to keep going whenever I fucking have time. It's... Uh, as of right now, I'm still in the, the moving process. I am going to, I start my new job in just over a month, just about done apartment shopping. I'm getting there. It's really hard to get one. It's a long story. It's, it takes a lot. So the plan for these types of shows would just be, Hey, if I'm playing some interesting games and I can't get a developer of that game on, I'll have a podcast like this where I talk about it. Um, the next podcast will probably be Far Cry 5. Um, there's two Nintendo Switch games that I was recently sent that I won't talk about yet. I'll talk about them once I start playing them more. Um, so I'll probably review those. Uh, this is not confirmed, but I'll, I'm okay talking about it. Um, there's a solid chance I'll be doing a God of War podcast with one of the developers. The hope is it'll be the lead combat designer. We're in discussions I know a lot of people at Sony Santa Monica, and they're super cool to me. So I should be getting God of War in a week or two, and then I'll be able to play through that and talk about it. Man, I'm just jazzed about that game. I've I really want to see what it's all about. I'm I'm fascinated by it. So even if I end up doing a podcast with one of the developers, I will do another show like this where I talk more in depth about. Hey, here's where I'm at with it. Here's my semi-audio review of God of War. So if you like these, let me know. If you're sick of hearing my voice, you're like, never do these solo again, Josiah. That's fine. I'm okay with criticism. It happens. You, you, can, you can be honest with me. Again, I'll try to get people on in the future. But I think uh, in a case like this where it's like, hey, here are my thoughts, it can kind of be hard to do that with another person who might have entirely different thoughts. They could challenge your thoughts, of course. But when you're writing a review, it's more of just like, hey, here's my thoughts right now. We can have conversations on the subreddit, 1099, on Twitter, at Josiah Renauden or at the 1099 podcast. Email me with thoughts, josiahrenauden at gmail.com. We can talk about this. Let me know what you think about these games. Let me know what you'd want me to talk about in the future. If there's other games you'd want me to talk about. Let me know if you, this is a crazy idea, but if it's what you want. If you want me to score games or like, hey, here's kind of where I, where I would score it. Um, stuff like that this is going to be it's just a new idea it'll always be a bonus show as far as i know so it's not going to be taking over like the regular monday show with a guest just a bonus idea more content's fun so thanks for the feedback thank you for 
listening to me rant about four games for about uh, 40, 50 minutes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And hopefully you tune back in for Monday's episode of the 1099.